Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the suitcase and the stride with award-winning journalist Scott Burnside and former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back along, of course, with Mike McKenna in his cave in St. Louis, the suitcase and the scribe. Mike, I'm, I'm so pumped. You and I, we always tape on Wednesdays, more or less. And one week from today, you and I and the rest of the daily faceoff crew, we're going to be hunkered down NHL trade deadline, 3 PM Eastern on March 21st. I, I, so I'm so excited. And I, I will just say, I talked, a scout called me yesterday and we were, it was right after the uh, Tyson Yost, uh, Nico Sturm deal, and, and which we can get to at some point. He's like, it's going to be incredible. He thinks it's going to be zany between really? now and next Wednesday. He thinks teams are plotting huge moves. And anyway, he's, he's out in the world. So it'll be interesting to see whether the vibe he's getting from, you know, scouting NHL games and, and AHL games, whether that vibe translates to a momentous day uh, for us on the 21st. I, I wonder how you feel. What's your, what's your vibe? Well, it's just, it's been so quiet until recently yes. that I've been, I think lulled into this sense that maybe nothing's really going to happen, but there's so much percolating below, beneath the surface. And I really think that this year, with the salary cap being where it's been and teams up against it, you might see some creative moves here. Yeah. You know, in terms of just salary retention and players going opposite directions, just to clear space when you yeah. need cap space. So I think the potential is there to see some bigger player transactions than just draft picks in this instance. So um, I think yesterday was a great example of it. You know, when you saw Yost and Sturm get swapped for one another, I mean, that that's, pretty interesting uh to Foley was a month ago which is crazy you know what I mean and you know and and the Manson deal like that's kind of all we've seen so I feel like it's going to be really condensed I'm curious to see the direction for instance like the goalie market goes yeah man there's teams out there that need goaltending but what's available at what cost like it's intriguing and I'm so excited for this show that we're going to do on daily face off three and a half hours live, no commercials, no breaks. We're going to have, 
you know, Dr. Evil himself, Frank Cervalli up in the top corner, working the phones, you know, we're going to, we're going to see him like, that's coming in. It's coming in hot here. You know, he's going to have his phone up to his ear and breaking news. And <laughs> I just, I think it's going to be unique because so many people are used to seeing, you know, the big productions across yeah. the board from big media outlets. And we're going to be able to super surf people and be interactive. And yeah, I know, man, I just think it's gonna be cool. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm not excited for the players. I never am excited for the players, but the yeah. intrigue of it is pretty special, man. What do you think? Are you thinking similar? Do you think we could be in for some hockey trades here or are we going to see more picks flying around? You got any sense? Yeah, no, I think it's all. I think it. I think it's. Uh, it's dude, it's, was it Bob Cole's famous call? Everything is happening, and yeah. I think everything could happen. And I think here's what I think, and I, it certainly would it would suit our purposes. Um, but I think because of, as you point out, the flat cap and so many teams up against it, and you know, teams that you know, I, I, I'm really curious about what Colorado does between now and the 21st at 3 p.m. Eastern. They've created a little bit more cap space by um, by moving Tyson Yost. I, I like that move, frankly, for Minnesota, right? You mm-hmm. know, and, and Nico Sturm just you know wasn't a fit for him there, but uh, the Avs now, according to uh, um, you know all the the, the cap sites, uh, they have uh, you know the created by the deadline three million dollars in cap space. They're still, they have some guys out of the lineup. You know, is it possible that, you know, someone goes on to LTIR that even creates more space? Do they employ, as you point out, do they employ a team like Arizona or Buffalo or Detroit to absorb some uh, cap hit uh, in exchange for assets to bring in, you know, like, listen, Claude Giroux's name's still out there. He's about to play his 1,000th game in Philadelphia and like, it just seems like this is everybody's holding their breath, waiting for Claude to get through, you know, which I think is the right thing to get through this milestone marker as a flyer. Um, he deserves to have that honor wearing that Jersey, but th- there really is a sense that, you know, that shortly after he's, he's going to, he's going to be on the move and Colorado, you know, is, is still right in there. And and the other thing that happened just as we were getting ready to go on, I saw uh, Darren Dreger and uh, Pierre Lebrun um, from TSN, our good pals, um, suggesting that Jacob, Jacob Chitron's injury in Arizona may not be as serious as first believed. And I think both those guys had noted that both the Kings and Boston, you know, that's a hockey trade because he's Chitron's young and under contract. So it would be a monumental deal to, to acquire a player like that, but maybe he's now in play when it looked like he might not. Otherwise I've been rambling, but I want to circle back. You mentioned the goaltending. I, you know what I love, what you've been doing and it's such a, a terrific um, vehicle is your goaltending rankings and you know where'd that idea come from maybe what have you gleaned from doing those rankings that may apply to what we may see between now and deadline on monday yeah it's you know the, the idea for it was really just kind of brainstorming between frank Cervalli and myself on what we thought would be valuable from a goalie perspective for fans that's easily accessible and you know admittedly these types of rankings are very subjective a lot of it's based on what have you done for me lately and yeah. um actually saw it took some flack on it on the twitter sphere because of that you know it's like well it's all about wins and losses and it's, it's just about like since the all-star it's like yeah these are updated rankings man this is yeah. not from the entire season yeah. and what matters 
most. It's winning. Winning is what matters most. So um, that's that's a big portion of it. But of course, there's eye test involved in this. I mean, I've got Edmonton ranked pretty low on the list because what we saw last night, like, yeah, Koskin, it might be seven, one and one. But are we watching how goals are going in? Okay, are we watching them flub it behind the net? Like, I'm sorry, man. I can't rank a goalie high on the list and a tandem high on the list when that's happening. It's the same thing with like Anaheim. The wheels are off there with yeah. with Gibson. I mean, like he's Anaheim. I had 21st in my last rankings, which came out, I believe, about early December. And now in the updated rankings, they're down at 27th. And it's not yeah. because Anthony Stolars. Stolars has been great. He's yeah. 919, but Gibson has been pulled three times in his last you know, I think 11 starts like, so you take these things into account and then you've got some interesting ones I've got on here. Like my new number one is, is Carolina, Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta. Well, I still think they're crazy to let Nadelkovich go, but man, it looks really good right now in Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Like Freddie's been lights out and yeah. Antti Ranta's finally healthy again, which has always been the question mark. And he's played really, really well lately. And they so they vaulted to one. Uh, I've got Calgary sitting at second place. They were first the last time. Markstrom and Vladar just continue to play uh, up to the standard you'd expect. Vladar's numbers really aren't outstanding, but you know he's won three of his last five games. He's he's won when he's gone, and he's provided the secondary goaltending you need. So um, it's just fun. It's a fun read if it, if people want to go through it, just because yeah. it's my impression on it. Obviously, it's weighted heavy to how they performed on the ice, um, but you know you get some teams in the mix here that. Let's take it. Let's take, for example, I've got the Arizona Coyotes sitting at 15th right now in my goalie rankings. Yeah. Right. So if you want to bury me, anybody, are you Twitter kitties out there about how <laughs> it's just based on wins and losses? Like, hey, they've been better lately, like in terms of wins, but I don't think Wedgwood and Vimelka have gotten nearly the credit they deserve lately. Like, these guys have been awesome for a team that's not been very good. They're facing a ton of rubber. Um, I just, I like, I like data mining those stories. You know, and, and that team, I got to tell you, to me, they're so fascinating. And maybe it's because, you know, I recently uh, spoke with Bill Armstrong and Andre Tournier for a piece on the coaching mentorship that the program that the Coyotes were involved in with the NHL Coaches Association. But that team, like guys are really starting to get it there. And man, they are lighting it up like they're pouring goals in. Yeah. And you're right. The goaltending has been surprisingly solid. And I don't know, I, I, you know, I, I just think it's such a fascinating story and, and we've been, listen, I've been part of it, but we have kicked that franchise around for years and years. And you know what? I'm like, and maybe, you know, I always get accused you know, Stockholm syndrome because you know, Bill Armstrong called me and we had a nice chat, but I'm kind of pumped to see what happens at ASU next year. And I'm kind of pumped to see what the vibe is and, it's fun to watch that team and it's fun to watch them have success. I'm curious about Phil Kessel. We talked about him on uh, last week's podcast because he continued his Ironman streak and after one shift uh, in Detroit and then went home for the birth of his, of his first child. But um, you know, I assume he'll go somewhere at the deadline. Um, he's still a guy that continues to produce. I, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on the coyotes and I'm glad you showed them some love in your ranking. Well, the problem is that it's ruining the game plan because they want to get the best draft picks they <laughs> yeah. possibly can. So that's a tough one. Maybe Bill Armstrong's going to have to sell everybody here to be able to get the draft status that he wants. Um, I think it's interesting with Chicken, though, man. Like that's still a guy with three years left to term at I think four point six a year. That boy, you could build around him. 
but it yes. only gets you through that period at ASU before a new arena comes in. So where do you, I, I just feel like the coyotes are going to be in purgatory until they get that new arena. That's yes. to me, that's kind of how it's going to be. Um, but boy, Chikrin would be a big piece for somebody. And I, like you said, I don't think that that's going to affect if he gets traded or not, because he's a long play. He's not. Yeah. And what you get for him in playoffs is a bonus. Yeah. The Agreed. Yeah. Presumably it's a playoff team. So, so, um, I, so I, I have, I have to ask you, we're talking about the goaltending rankings. We're talking about teams that, you know, like, is there a team that has been on the goaltending hot seat more than the Toronto Maple Leafs in, you know, for the last month or whatever. And, you know, even before Jack Campbell got hurt, it, you know, his play had definitely slipped since uh, going to all-star in Vegas. And, um, and then, you know, Peter Mrazek, you know, so Campbell gets hurt. Peter Mrazek has, it's just been a real struggle for Peter, but I have, you have to look at my notes now because I can't remember. I haven't committed Eric Colgren to my memory bank yet, but what that's a story. A, that's, a soft, that's a soft K. It's Eric Shalgren. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> See, that. See, this is like even the NHL media side, I don't think has Shalgren. They didn't have, they don't have Vemelka up. Like <laughs> we really have to learn on the fly. I looked at Oliver Shillington in Calgary because I made the mistake I learned earlier that this year. I called him Kylington at the start. So we're both guilty here, yeah. Scott. <laughs> I got Shillington, but he, yeah, but I knew that from a from a hockey pool. So that was the only yeah. reason I knew it. And I heard somebody in Calgary refer to him that way. But Shalgren, what a story, right? And, kid, you know, and there's no hotter goaltending seat. Uh, there might be one in Vegas soon, but right now there's none in, hotter than Toronto. First ever NHL start, first shutout against a really good and, a, and a, an improving and surging playoff hopeful Dallas Stars team. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a gimme. Uh, 35 saves, shuts out the Stars for nothing. So solve, the problem solved, right? So the Leafs can just move on? <laughs> That's <or>? it. <laughs> Well, here's here's the thing about Shalgren. Okay, this guy's I think he's 25 years old. He's played a lot of hockey in Sweden. This is really only his second year in North America, previously in the Arizona Coyotes organization. Yeah. And it's kind of fascinating to watch him play in comparison to the other goaltenders that have been in the crease for Toronto this year. Like to me, Jack Campbell, I, I like where his mechanics are, I like his technical base. He's just lost all confidence to me. That's yeah. just as simple as that. Like he just cannot get his head in the right mind frame to be confident in what he's doing in the crease. Is that fixable? It's more fixable than Peter Morazic, who has glaring technical deficiencies. Yeah. And, you know, two, a week and a half ago, Brazic told the press he's trying to stay closer to the home and, and be in the blue paint. And then the next game out, he allows three goals where he is not in the blue. He's like five feet eating the white ice. And yeah. I, I'm sorry, man, but either Mrazic refuses to listen to goalie coaches or he cannot implement what is being told to him. Yeah. And I don't see it improving there. Like he can have a big game here and there when he's feeling it. That's it. He doesn't have the technical base. And then you watch Shalgren go in the net and this guy's from Sweden. So keep that in mind where the goalie coaching there is really detailed. It's been, it's, systematic they start from a young age with goalies um and he looked very swedish not very good hands you know <laughs> rebounds off the glove and the hands but man are his details good like rotating bringing both legs sealing low on the ice i liked his game i didn't think yeah. he had to steal it but i liked his game yeah uh and i think that 
I don't know what, Hey, listen, I don't know what his NHL ceiling is. This is one game. Yeah. But, but I looked at that technical model and that's built for consistency. Yeah. So, you know, can he bring it at the NHL level? We'll find that out. But I think he at least has the base to be able to do things on a routine basis. Well, so, and it was cool. Like cool to hear Scott. It was cool to hear the fans behind him at the end. You know, yeah. they've been dying to cheer for somebody in the crease for that team. And is he going to be the savior? I don't, I don't know, but it was a really nice step for that organization to finally get a couple saves early yeah. in a game, uh, late in a second. Some penalty kill stuff was really good from Shawgren. And for a team that didn't have Austin Matthews in the lineup, yeah. a three nothing victory over, you know, Dallas, who's been pretty good. Toronto looked fast. Mitch Marner was all over the ice. <laughs> that was that was a pretty entertaining game for a shutout. Say that, Scott. Like I, yeah. I, and goaltending is such a fickle thing, you know. And I think that you have a perfect platform to talk about it now a little bit because you've got a a piece update now at Daily Faceoff speaking with Ryan Miller, our pal, our suitcase what, in the scribe pal. That's correct about what he went through at the trade deadline and. Um, I thought, you know, Scott, that was some really interesting stuff from from Ryan. It it wasn't easy for him, was it, to go from the Buffalo Sabers to the St. Louis Blues? No, yeah, well, and it, you know, to me, it's I thought it was interesting, given what we've been going, you know, going through, uh, you know, in the recent weeks, looking at because there've been a lot of teams, you know, that have had to ask themselves real hard questions. And Bill Guerin's still answering questions in Minnesota about his goaltending. Because it mm-hmm. hasn't been very good, and you know we, you know we I, we were going to talk about Vegas because man, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in Vegas, and it is not great right now with Robin Leonard out. Um, you know Washington has had to answer some questions. I think they're I don't see them making a move, but it, it does it does go back to the heart of you know it's it's different when you're talking about adding a goaltender at, at the trade deadline. than if you're talking about adding a skater it just is. And especially if you're talking about, you know, as we're talking about Toronto, maybe Mark Andre Fleury, you know, who else Anton, whoever it is, you're, you're, you're bringing them in with the idea that they're going to play. And right. that's a very difficult thing. And, and, and Ryan Miller's, you know, he's so self-aware, but he understands he's the great cautionary tale, right? One of the best goaltenders in the game, at the at the time that he was traded at the deadline in fourteen to yeah. St. Louis, you know he's one of Vesna. Comes off the Olympic silver medal player. He the was tournament. at the top of the mountain. He he's really was. T- he's he's an elite goaltender. Listen, I remember writing the story right when when and the Blues paid a hefty price yeah. um, to acquire Ryan Miller. Buffalo was in the rebuild that they're still in, frankly, but. They did get a Stanley Cup out of it, Scott. They got Steve Ott, their assistant coach. <laughs> that's right. I'm not he was sure the, that he was the, the real plan. diamond of that trade. <laughs> I'm not sure that was Doug Armstrong's plan. Let's get Steve Ott, who was playing, groom him into a coach so he can be on Craig Berube's staff when they win the Stanley Cup in 2019. I, I don't know that was the plan, but maybe. But Ryan Miller was excellent because – you know, he said, even though I was prepared for it, and even though I knew that it was going to be an emotional, you know, never played anywhere else. And he goes to St. Louis. And he loved the guys. I thought it was interesting. You know, he's still their friends, had a great relationship there. He felt that was a fit. And it didn't, it didn't pan out. Ten days in the playoffs, they lose six games in six mm-hmm. games to Chicago. They win the first two games. I didn't remember this part. Won the first two games, lose four straight. It's not his fault. 
But I think, you know, the expectations were so high and he had expectations himself yeah. and it didn't pan out. And he acknowledged, he said, I'm the cautionary tale when it comes to goaltenders going at the trade deadline. And I think it's probably fair. Like it, you have to imagine in Toronto and in Edmonton and Vegas, or wherever you're having a serious discussion about making a move before the 21st, are they not saying, remember what happened with Ryan Miller? You know, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I, I don't know what do you make, what do you make of it? Because there's, you know, there's Ryan Miller, Dwayne Rollison's the other side of the coin, right? Gets traded twice in season, both times. It's a spectacular success. Didn't win a cup, but came close. I don't know. Like, I just think it is, it's something that you have to be so aware of. And, and the bottom line is really, and you've made this point many times, if you're not developing your own goaltenders, the ch- your chances of, of winning a Stanley cup are very small because history tells you, you don't win with an outside goal. You just, you don't No, It's, it's paramount to develop. And, and it's not just from a Stanley cup purpose. I just think of how you develop, you, you have assets when you develop goaltenders, you have trade pieces like LA, man, think about the Kings, how many goalies they moved out for tangible trade for tangible players and draft picks. I mean, they went from Martin Jones to Ben Scrivens to Jack Campbell, like, this is why you have to develop goaltenders. Yeah. Not just for your own team, for for trades, for assets. Like you need this stuff. <laughs> um, but boy, I, I think the pressure's on in Toronto. You can't watch those last several games with Campbell and Mrazic. Who are your goalies? Yeah. You know, like once Campbell's off of off of IR back in the lineup, like you he's gonna be in with cap space. You're not gonna keep Shalgren up. Like they're in a tough spot there. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of been the same way as Edmonton. When Smith and and Koskinen are healthy, you're not going to see Skinner there. Yeah. So there's decisions to make in these in these cities. And man, you've touched on it previously, but Vegas to me is just they're in need right now. And and real quickly, we can scratch Braden Holpe's name off the list. He's not going anywhere from the yeah. Dallas Stars. We learned that Anton Hudobin's out for six months after hip surgery. So Holpe is absolutely locked in in Dallas, and that makes the market even smaller for goaltenders. Yeah. Marc-Andre Fleury's not going to Vegas. Zero percent chance of that. So who could Vegas potentially get help from? Can they really trust Robin Leonard's health? We don't know. We don't have an insight into that, Scott. We don't know how bad his lower body injury might be now on top of the torn labrum that he has in his upper body that's kept him out. Like, can you duct tape this guy together for playoffs? Do you trust that? Because yeah. Laurent Brossois hasn't won a game now in a long time. And he didn't look good last night. No, it was, it was not pretty. No. He know, was, and, uh, and it's, yeah, gave up four on 13. Logan Thompson, three on 10 for a total of seven on 23. My math's not good, but I don't think that's a good save percentage. No, and the eye test wasn't good either. Yeah. I mean, the scouting report on Brustois is out, put the puck in the air, shoot from bad angles. It might go in. Yeah. And it did last night, repeatedly. Yeah. And at the back end of a road trip for Vegas to go 0-5 at the most critical time of the year after Eichel's just come back in, Listen, I'm not going to make excuses for this team with players out of the lineup because LA Kings have seven or eight regulars out and they keep winning yeah. and they yeah. don't have half the lineup that Vegas did, but they also have more middle-class citizens. So they're not weight as a, weighted as heavily towards their superstars as Vegas is who are now out of the lineup. Yeah. Blake Wheeler, really good last night. Yeah. But the Golden Knights are in trouble here, Scott. 
And I don't know who they can get in goal to help if they need to. Georgiev's the one I'd look at. I think they'd be intrigued by him. Um, I don't know how much he'd help. I think he might be a bump. Yeah. But like it's, it's shocking to think because now I know technically they're in a playoff spot today, but if you go by point percentage, they're actually two spots out. So they, if you go by points percentage, which is fair to do um, they've got, they got to dislodge two teams to get back in in the playoffs and and they can certainly do it, but man, there, there are teams coming Winnipeg. And in fact, Vegas has allowed Winnipeg to stay in the hunt. Really? Vancouver is right there. I, you know, games unbelievably, in hand. they are there. Yeah. They're right there. I like, I, I still have to believe in my heart of hearts that, you know, whether, you know, that at some point Vegas finds a way, but your points are good. What if, what if Robin Leonard can't come back or what if he comes back and he's 80% mm-hmm. that tandem, then 80% of Robin Leonard and Lauren Bressois is, I don't know if, I don't know if you can stay ahead of Connor Hellebuck and Eric Comrie. I don't know if you can stay ahead of Thatcher Demko and the way Vancouver's playing. I don't, I don't know. What's your gut tell you about this Vegas team? Cause it, it, I mean, it is, if you went to Vegas, the odds would have been long, long that they would miss the playoffs. But what's your gut tell you now with, you know, we're trade deadline in sight and, and the stretch run after that. There's just too many players missing in Vegas right now. Yeah. I mean, let's go down the list. Braden McNabb, Riley Smith, Alec Martinez, Mark Stone, Mass Pacioretty, Robin Leonard, uh, Brett Howden. Like I, I, they, yeah, I think I could keep going here. I, I'm forgetting people at this point. Yeah. Okay. You've got Eichel playing with Marcia So and Carlson, two centers on a line together, like trying to find anything. Pete DeBoer's just tossing spaghetti at the wall right now because he doesn't have any lines. Like yeah. he doesn't have players anymore for this. Yeah. Um, Petrangelo looks like he's trying to do everything out there. He's making unforced errors that you usually don't see from him to make up for it. Yeah. Shea I mean, Theodore's I, really quiet there. That's, yeah. you know, just, I mean, if I look at this Vegas team, I'm, I'm, if it's not Vegas, I think I'm looking at it objectively thinking this is not our year. We got to get ready for next year. And that doesn't mean sell, but yeah. I think it's literally like whatever happens this year, we're got to try to get through. I mean, I remember when Tampa missed the playoffs in 2017 because they had yeah. so many injuries. It's kind of similar to that for me. I think it was 2017. And, yeah. you know, we're kind of looking same territory here. Yeah but that's not good enough for Bill Foley. Like he's going to blow a gasket if they don't make playoffs, you know, after everything that they've just done to get these players in. and yeah. goaltending hasn't like, this is Robin Leonard's lowest save percentage since uh, Buffalo or Ottawa almost a decade ago. Yeah. You know, it's not like he was lighting the world on fire and Brassois hasn't either. And, and I'm not throwing this all on the feet of them because they Vegas has been so bad defensively. Like it's absurd. The number of odd man rushes they're giving up. Yeah. No goalie is going to overcome that, but you've gotten okay to good goaltending in Vegas and you need excellent goaltending on that team. The way that they play, yeah. the way they force up ice and it gets exasper- exacerbated when they're missing so many players because they have refused to change their style. They're still pressing. They're still going as hard and they do not have the skill to do that right now. Yeah. And that's no, no slag on the guys in that locker room. They're doing the best they can, but at some point you got to adapt. Like, if you're Vegas, like just pack the middle, man. It's like maybe not be as aggressive going up ice because they're getting yeah. crushed on it right now. Yeah. So, Crazy. dude, I don't know what to expect. Uh, Pete DeBoer just 
straight up laced his goalies after the game. Like I, I know it was veiled and it was, I'm not a goalie expert expert, but sometimes you need a save. He was asked three times what went wrong in last night's game. And the first thing out of his mouth was goaltending on each yeah. of those. Yeah. He's had enough. Yeah. And, and if you're the coach and you've had enough, Scott, you know what those conversations behind closed doors are like, especially in an organization that was so paranoid that Marc-Andre Fleury was slightly off his game two years ago. They went and got Robin Leonard. I, I know. But how do they do it with cap space, man? Oh. Like, well, it's, I mean, the whole, you know, I mean, the whole thing with, you know, Kelly McCrimmon and that, you know, like the, and I think you're right. I mean, I, I, you know, at some point, if you believe in your team and you believe in the path and you believe in Jack Ike, all those things, then maybe you do have to, you know, moment of Zen and just say, if it, if it's not, if it's not for us this year, we know how good we are or can be, mm-hmm. but that's a hard, and you're right. I mean, Bill Foley's a demanding guy. Well, once a Stanley cup, I, you know, yeah. And he's given that team everything. He told Will Carlson that he needs to win two Stanley Cups by the time his contract's done. Yeah, Yeah, that was the expectation. So, yeah, what's Wild Bill thinking? (laughs) He better get on it. I took took this team-friendly contract so I could stay here, and now look where we are. So, I'm, boy, I'm I'm not bullish on Vegas with their injuries, and I've held on as long as I could, um, believing that team would end up there. Fascinating. Because it's um, another sorry. team that you can't miss playoffs. Yeah. So. All right. So here's I'm keep, I'm thinking about our uh, about our show on Monday, and I have to imagine you tell me if I'm wrong, but will there be a call to DoorDash at the McKenna household as as we are going through as we're going through the show on Monday? And more importantly, can we bill it to Daily Face Off? Because as you know, <laughs> DoorDash is the proud sponsor of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Restaurants and more delivered right to your door. What is, I, to me, DoorDash is made for the trade deadline, right? Isn't it? Like it's a perfect marriage. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to be on air for three and a half hours, we're going to be hearing already. That, we're going to be hearing that ding dong, <laughs> ding ding. DoorDash, it delivered by DoorDash. It will be. I just have to figure out what it's going to be. I think, I think eating pizza on set probably makes the most sense. Just you, I could see us just trudging through the show words, nothing happens for the first two hours. We're just mucking pizza. And then all of a sudden, bang, everything happens. Like throw the pizza out. We got to go. Oh my God. So yeah. when, I, when I first started to do TV, the very first time I, I was at Leafs TV in uh, Toronto and boy did, you know, I don't know a lot now, but I knew a lot less then, but I do remember we were doing a show one night. It might've been during the uh, Salt Lake city Olympics. Alan McCauley was on the panel and Alan Adams, longtime hockey writer. I worked with him at the national post. He was doing stuff for Leafs TV and his son was around. We had pizza delivered to the set one night. So I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's precedent. I think it could happen. So I've had pizzas delivered to some very interesting places in my life. I remember one time flying home from the American hockey league board of governors meetings in Hilton head and the flight got delayed and, had pizza delivered to the terminal and had to put it through the metal detector, like through wow. the x-ray machine. <laughs> so I sl- <laughs> had, a grease, had a grease wheel go through the, the x-ray machine. Uh, and I remember sharing it with Bruce Landon, longtime, um, longtime hockey member of the Springfield, Massachusetts community, really uh, a big player in the development of so many players. And yeah. I remember just sharing a pizza with Bruce and, 
pretty good memory, man. So (laughs) I have to wonder, I have to wonder, Scott, like yesterday, our own Frank Cervalli came out with his trade targets and there were a couple of names that surprised me on it. Yes. So, I mean, were you caught off guard by the fact that Sean Monahan potentially in play and especially for me, Tyler Bertuzzi? I mean, I know that Detroit's apparently open for business now, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's their best player. That's a guy with some playoff experience, at least at the American League level in Bertuzzi, winning a Calder Cup, being an MVP of that league. I saw that firsthand because guess who was a net at the other end and he scored on? <laughs> Myself, uh, when he was with the Grand Rapids Griffins and I was with the Syracuse Crunch. Yeah. Were you surprised by some of these names? I, I was. I will say this about Tyler Bertuzzi, that I don't know how a team could acquire him and give up any, you know, listen, he's a good player. There's no question about it. But the fact that, you know, the whole vaccination thing for me, the fact that, you know, you're going to, I don't know what the, the evolving protocols in Canada, but, uh, you know, could you ever acquire him thinking that you might have to play a Canadian team and he might not be able to right. cross the border? I mean, to me it's, and I just go back to it. I don't want that guy on my team. Sorry. I don't want him. I, I'm out on that. Um, do you think that might be why he's on the list? Well, I don't know. I I don't get it. Um, I mean, I don't know. like conspiracy theories, but I can't help but wonder you've got a player that can't play eight or nine games or whatever it is a year. And then I think it's a long shot to say, hey, you're going to send him to a contender because, yeah, you got Calgary and Toronto in the mix. He's not going to get to play there. Calgary, Toronto, maybe Edmonton, maybe Winnipeg. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't do that. I would say the guy that whose name came up, um, and, and I, I was initially surprised, but then when I looked a little bit closer, more closely at it, um, uh, with Sean Monahan in Calgary and you, you know, it's, it's not, you know, Sean Monahan's stock is, is fairly low, right. On a, and it you is. know, he's on a really good team. Um, but it's, you know, it hasn't been, hasn't been a banner season for him. He's got another he's year left six, center at this point. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. He's got a modified, no trade. Starting in 2021, 10-team no-trade list. He's making $6.375 million. But here is the thing. You tell me if I'm crazy. I, I, I sent Frank Cervelli a note last night because I was talking to the scout who didn't – we weren't even talking about Monaghan, but he was. He asked me what I thought of what was going to happen with Philip Forsberg in Nashville. And, of course, Philip Forsberg just – you know, he's he lights out Preds win again last night, but he yeah, is he was on awesome. an expiring contract. It's a huge deal for David Poyle in Nashville to, to not have guys walk out the door. But see, it's, it's part of, it's just how he operates. And it's because he's lost guys. Ryan Suter left, Dan Ham was left. It's a hard thing. And he hates that. He hates that idea. And I understand that. So, the scout was saying, you know what? The Preds have been scouting the Flames farm team in Stockton. So, mm-hmm. so let me ask you this. And listen, Sean Monahan, Monahan, stock at a low. If he, you know, if he's if he would agree to go to Nashville, Calgary would definitely have to sweeten the pot for Forsberg, even though Monahan's got term. Forsberg's on an expiring contract. Forsberg's an elite player. Sean Monahan is not right now. But maybe it makes a little sense for Nashville in both ways, right? You can play. You know, it's they're going to be a playoff team, I think, in that central. 
you know, they're right in that mix. Continue to play. They play hard. So they're, I love the Preds and how they play. But maybe that works, right? Maybe, maybe it's clear or it's becoming clear that Forsberg is more uncertain in terms of signing up or can they fit him? He's a nine. What's, what's his value? Eight to nine, probably. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. What do you, I, he's, I don't know. He's not going to make he, more than Roman Yossi. So there's a cap well, at that. It's, you're not yeah. going over nine something. Um, isn't it funny though, how contracts from other players can, can alter things, you know, Duchesne and Johansson both at eight, like, and those are big, big contracts for those players. Um, yeah. You know, I, I thought that the Duchesne deal was an overpay to begin with when it was signed and it didn't look good last year. And then oh, this year he's been awesome. So those I mean, guys have been, it's already, they've been bad to their credit. Like, you can tell they're believing in what John Hines is preaching, man. Like that team's playing fast and hard. I, and yeah. man, I that watching Forsberg and Duchesne snap it around last night and the goal that they had, I, I can't remember if it was power play or not, but they, we went Duchesne to Forsberg to Eckholm, like completely across the ice in no yeah. time and in the back of the net. Like they're good. Yeah. But they yeah. got Like Poyle has to retain Forsberg, man. I, I, I'm actually having a hard time entertaining even the thought of a trade there. Yeah, because that team is so fundamentally different without him. Totally, and it's still Nashville. Like, dude, you can want to go on the market and find whatever you think is out there. You get paid eight and a half sheets in Nashville, and get to live there and set your roots down. And I think Nashville's. I think Tennessee's even a no tax state. I can't even remember if it is. It's low. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. I think if Forsberg, Forsberg's crazy if he wants to go anywhere else. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but could he fit with, with Calgary? I mean, we've heard Calgary flirting with different names. You know, I, I don't think Brad tree living's done. If I, if he makes an addition though, I think it's going to be on the back end. I think that yeah. a, a, the forwards are probably pretty locked, but I mean, Monaghan could easily go to, to Nashville. Now, well, I mean, yeah. I don't know what comes back, but that could happen if he's, if they're just trying to acquire some cap space, especially uh, yeah. for Calgary, if they want to make one more big swing, they'll need to do that. Well, and you're right. And I think, I still think, you know, what happens <clears throat> with Mark Giordano in, in Seattle, right? It makes, I, it's hard. I don't know. Like, I don't know what you're doing. If you're Ron Francis, he, to me, you, you have to, you have to be looking at, at, at moving Giordano. And, and even if your idea is to circle back and, and bring him back for a year or two, you know, as a, in a leadership role. Now he does have, I'm checking this out, um, 19 teams he can be traded to. So, um, you know, like there's certain flexibility there, but, I, you know, it's an obvious, it's, you can draw that line, right? Mm-hmm. From Calgary to Seattle. So, yeah. I mean, and it'll be interesting. I've heard that that's not going to happen. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this defensive market plays out. Because yep. Josh Manson just got a second rounder and a, I mean, he was traded for a second round pick and essentially another second round pick uh, player out of college hockey named Hellison defenseman, who's just yeah. signed with the ducks actually. So yeah. he's going to um, play. He's a, he's, he's going to, he's eventually a from the Olympic team. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, you know, Pedford beat got what he could there and also got some salary retained. That was the biggest aspect of the Manson deal going to Colorado. Um but where does the market sit? You know, Sherratt's going to get a first round pick. Yeah. Bank on that. If Hampus Lindholm's available, he's going to get a big time haul. Um, but Giordano, I, I have this sneaking suspicion that like the teams that are going to get left out on Sherratt 
are going to double back and they're going to realize, well, Giordano is really our best bet. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if there ended up being a last minute bidding war and somebody and Seattle gets a first rounder for him. Yeah. And I, I've had a lot of people disagree with me on that. And this is a total gut feeling, yeah. but I could see that happening because teams out there are all looking for defense at this time. Yeah. And there's just not that many top end names available. And I think Giordano could do anything, put yeah. him one through six on your decor and, and he can perform. So yeah. um, I, I think I- it'll be, It'll be interesting with this deal. Uh, I also think, you know, I'm, I'm looking around the league too, like that Avs deal for Yost and, and Sturm, like that was a good trade for both sides. I know we touched briefly on it, but just wanted to double back and think, man, I'm just kind of surprised at how aggressive Colorado's being right now. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I mean, you listen, you got, what's the reason not to be, right? I mean, you have, yeah. You know, Kale McCarr is going to win the Norris, I think, probably. You know, Adam Fox's play slipped a little bit. Victor Hedman's still in, definitely in the mix. But Kale McCarr is – like, and even with the injuries, even, you know, Landis Gog out, and um, they're still so formidable. I think it was in Terrell Sutter was asked about Colorado and it's like, you know, what did he say? It's a waste of eight days or something yeah. like that if you're a wild card team. You're in and you're out. It's a waste of eight days. <laughs> He deadpanned the whole thing and essentially said, Colorado's going to wax you if you're a wild card. Good luck. <laughs> I, know. I just, I love that. <laughs> I know, you know, is he wrong? And I get no. that's part of, you know, I get, you know, we talk about Vegas, you know, like to me, how glorious would, you know, it would be the matchup that I think a lot of us imagine as a Western conference final, but very possible that we see Colorado and Vegas. If Vegas can somehow sneak in, maybe that's the first round matchup. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not sure Colorado would figure that's a real bonus for them, but anyway, it, it is going to be. And I think that to me, if you're a wild card team, maybe it's a little different in the East where I think things are a little bit tight, right? Washington's playing a lot better now. Boston's a good team. You know that, core. that helps them. You know, Toronto could be caught by Boston, so Toronto could fall into that wild card spot too. But there's there's a fair compression in the East, right? Like, you know, Carolina's a really, really good team. So is Florida, so is Tampa. But to me, there's Colorado. And then in the West, you go down a mile or two before you get to other teams. And I think if you're a GM of a team that may be into the, you know, uh, hanging around the wild card, and you you have to be realistic. Okay, yes, you want to make the playoffs, but what? And I, I know everything can happen in the playoffs. But are you are you are you sacrificing, you know, promising assets or, or high picks for a chance to play Colorado? And as Terrell Sutter probably accurately points out, play for an extra week and a day. I don't know. What's so interesting is that I had a conversation on Monday with Bill Guerin when I was hosting SiriusXM and had Billy on and he was talking, I asked him point blank. I'm like, Hey, when you're building out a team, are you worried about anybody else? Or is it completely in-house? He goes, it's totally in-house. Yeah. Like no fear of who you're going to play whatsoever in playoffs. Yeah. And, and I love that. And I think that that's probably the prevailing mindset of most GMs. Yeah. But then you hear the coach in Daryl Sutter, who's like, why on earth would you want to play that team? You know? So like there's, there's, Differing opinions here, Scott, and I love that. Yeah. Um, but 
I think you're right about the West, Colorado, and I'll put Calgary right there. Like yeah. Calgary's given Colorado fits. So like you've got two teams that are head and shoulders better than everybody else. I mean, can St. Louis make some hay? They've yeah. kind of been Jekyll and Hyde. Like when they play their game, yeah, and everybody's on board. Oof. And Huso's been good this year. Like I, I like that team, but in the East, man, like I'm. I'm conflicted because I think there's a lot of good hockey team. Like I, I think Pittsburgh is right there with anybody. Yep. I, I would put them up against anyone right now. Uh, I know they lost last night. Okay. To Nashville and Soros was phenomenal, but like Pittsburgh's been really good. Yep. I would never count out Tampa. Like I just, like you said, there's not a big Delta between the teams in the East yes. versus the West where it's, it's, there's two ends of the spectrum, you know? So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, do you see anybody in the West that you think you got a gut feeling on anyone in the West that's going to push here towards the end? You know, I, I'm with you on St. Louis. You know, they've missed Pavel Bucinevich last week or so. Mm-hmm. He was out with a concussion or concussion issues. And they're, you know, I mean, they got to, I mean, Bile Huso has been really good for the most part. And Bennington has been all over the place, really. He had a couple, yeah. you know, a couple strong performances in a row but he it's been when that team loses almost always it's Jordan Bennington in that and not blaming him necessarily but it's been a struggle for him um can Minnesota get back to where they were I don't know I'll tell you I that national team and again not just because they beat Pittsburgh last night but every time I watch them and I wrote earlier I talked to John Hines and um, I talked to Chris Mason and Chris was really candid. He does he played for them, but now he does analysis, but you know, they, they'd lost their way for a long time and, and were, you know, run and gun and razzle dazzle. And, you know, from the final in 17 over the last three or four years, they, it's been a question of who they are. This team right now, is punishing. They're a punishing team. You know, mm-hmm. that game last night, Pittsburgh, they're not afraid to play, you know, big boy hockey and yep. the Preds, that was a punishing game. And the Preds won, I think it was four one final. The, the Preds can play with Colorado, I think, because, you know, we saw this with Vegas last year. Uh, to me, the, the way to beat Colorado is to try and punish them a bit and to not let them free flow, get in, you know, force their smaller skilled defensemen, um, mm-hmm. you know, really, really make life difficult for them. And I think the Preds can play that kind of game. So yeah, I, I think Nashville's in that part. So, um, well, and they've got UC Soros, man. Kids, he's, he's great. Top three, I, top who three doesn't love UC Soros? Top three goalie in the league, you know, yeah. and I've, I've spoken to Chris Mason a couple of times about Soros and he just marvels at him. Cause I, I get to watch him occasionally. But May sees him every game. And boy, whatever a fellow goalie, especially someone like Mace, who had to earn it his whole career, who really understands the positions, very analytical about it. Like he raves about Soros. And I agree with him. Like you watch his skating, you you watch his routes, you watch how he's always square and arriving early. I mean, that's why him and Shishjurkin to me are just the top two. Like yeah. they're phenomenal. They're such good skaters. They're always in position. Um and, and of course, like, man, like Markstrom, Vasilevsky, there's plenty of guys you can toss in that mix. But they're to, right now, Soros and Shishjurkin for me are it. Yeah. But that team in Nashville, I can't get over how much they've changed, largely due to John Hines, yep. Tanner Janot, Michael yep. McCarron. I mean, Nick Cousins, like, yep. they've got grit and they've got mobile D. 
Yeah. Like, I really thought letting Ellis go was a big problem for that team. Yeah. I didn't believe there. And man, David Poyle makes me look bad because you can let Yossi roam. You can let Uckholm do his thing. I yeah. like Alexander Carrier a lot though. Yes, I think really he's right. really made a huge difference there. So yeah, I, I could see the Preds. I don't know if they're going to make it to the pointy end, but they could definitely, they're going to cause a headache for somebody in playoffs for me at the very minimum. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to do a mailbag in a minute or two, but before we, I want to, I, I was, I was, I was interested to see a Alex Ovechkin passes Yermer Yager into third mm-hmm. all-time in goals. Love the goal too, right? Sort of a, just a, a blazer, wasn't yeah. the one timer, but it was a pretty darn good shot off a draw. It's in the net before you know it. And what really struck me, like, and it was at home, which was great. But the like the team, like the joy that they felt for him, that was uh, that was I, I thought that was quite moving. Everybody comes off the bench, and it's a big celebration to go in. I mean, third place all time, like. Elite of elite. Gretzky, Gretzky how Ovechkin. Ovechkin. And he's going to catch him. Yes, he is. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I love, love, loved the video that Yarmir Yager sent him, it's Scott. So beautiful. It's so like, it's the Yag daddy to the core, man. He's like, you'll be careful, OV, because... I still might come back. That's the worst impression you could ever do of him. <laughs> That's I don't know right. what I'm accent that was. But yeah, Yager straight up calls him out. He's like, hey, man, you better keep scoring because I still might come back and pot a few. <laughs> I, I come back and chase you. I thought that was yes. the best thing. Yes. Was that awesome or what? <laughs> Any good. Yes. So, uh, all right. Yeah. Like, I mean, what a career from Ovechkin and he's not done. He's going to catch those guys. Like we've been watching magic for him for a long time. I watched a couple of them go past me, Scott. So I feel, <laughs> feel honored at this point. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's do a couple of questions. Uh, it's always good to have our uh, mailbag questions. This is from at B Garzy, G-A-R-C-Z-Y. <clears throat> Besides the UFAs being traded, uh, do you think there will be any hockey trades for players with term? It seems like that would happen to wait until the summer with many teams having cap issues, but you know, we've talked a bit about, you know, we t- Sean Monahan's name has come up there or yep. like to me that Tyler Toffoli and again, went early and commanded a high, high price. Are there guys that you're th- thinking, because there's sort of the subtle ones, because you can ask a lot more for a player with term. Are you, what, you know, what do you think? Is that it's, it's a mouthful to do because you got to have the assets in the yeah. cap space moving forward, but it's attractive, obviously, if you can have a player who's going to be, along for more than one playoff run. Chikrin is the obvious one. Yep. And I don't know if he's going to get moved. Um, I'm sure he just wants clarity at this point, Chikrin himself. Uh, yep. I look at Brandon Hagel in Chicago is really interesting. Yes. I, I believe Hagel has two years left on his deal at like 1.5 a year. Let's um, find out. And so please do so Scott, but I was, <laughs> listen, I was at the, at the Hawks ducks game last week before we recorded suitcase and described the next day. And Hagel was so good killing yep. penalties, driving the net. And he could easily play a third line role on a big team. Yep. And I think he's trending towards a first or second line role on, 
on most teams, probably yeah. second line. But teams are salivating at this contract at a mil and a half for the next two years. Yeah. Like that gives you so much cap flexibility if you can get it. So th- that's a guy I really have my eye on with term. Um, I'm, I don't I get think what, that, to me, he's like Chitron though. Like why, if you're, you know, if you're Kyle Davidson and you're, what's the future in Chicago? And you're right. Two more years at $1.5 million. The kid can play. Big time. I don't know. Now, unless, you know, okay. So, you know, the, it's like Chitron, right? I mean, listen, Bill Armstrong's not, giving Jacob Chitron away. You're going to have to back up the Brinks truck to get him. Mm-hmm. And Hagel on a smaller scale, same thing, I'm guessing. But to me, like, why would you trade him unless that happens? But yeah, the guy I think of when I think of this question, and his name sort of faded a little bit, maybe because Vancouver keeps hanging around, hanging around, is of course, with JT Miller, who has another year left. Um, it, it just seems that there's less and less talk about that but you know, I'm. I, I don't know. The Canucks have. They have to consider the future beyond Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern and beyond this playoff year, even if they scratch and claw their way back in. So I, I just seen. It just seems less likely that JT Miller goes, even though he's attractive because he has that extra year. Yeah, I agree with you. And it'll be interesting if any goalies with a bit of term like. I haven't seen Varlamov's name really out there. I've I've heard that he's not even really on the block that much. So, but it's Lou Lamarillo in New York. So who knows what's going on there? But Var- right. Varlamov's got a year left on his deal at five mil. Like that's yeah. kind of pricey, you know, for somebody who's been a backup this year to Sorokin and struggled to win games, even though he's played pretty well. But Varlamov has. So, I, I think that's. I do think that our mailbag question about whether these will wait more towards summer. Probably, I, I agree with that, but I think there's a couple players out there that still, yeah. and we've na- mentioned some of those. Uh, next question that we had that came in was any real chance that Alexiak gets moved? There's a player with term. This is from J18M19 from Twitter. Alexiak, somebody that has to be the right fit for a team. Big defenseman. Okay. His offensive game probably looked better in Dallas than it really is. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, if Seattle's really desperate to move players, sure. But what's what could Alexiak get on the open market, Scott? Like, is that worth it to make that play? Because you're going to have to backfill with another defenseman anyway. Yeah. I'd kind of be surprised if Alexiak was moved, if you ask me. Well, and he has some. He has trade protection, mm-hmm. and it, and again, it, it, you have you'll that that'll be the fascinating part for me about Seattle. And he is signed long term, four point six million dollar cap hit. I mean, that's attractive. And I love Jamie Alexiak, right? Like can play oh, a lot. Awesome and, and you see yeah. him, I think about his play when Dallas goes to the final two years ago, an absolute horse, right? He will do it all. But if you're Ron Francis in Seattle, isn't that the, isn't that the point? He, you know, 4.6 million, pretty manageable. He can play up and down your, your blue line group. You've given him trade protection. Mm-hmm. I see very little chance you know, that he's on the move. To me, he's the guy that you, you know, that you, is part of your plan moving forward, even though your plan hasn't really, you know, sort of come into um, focus the way you wanted to in your first year. So, yeah. The only other one I could see from Seattle, Carson yeah. Susie. There's been a, some little bit of rummings out there. I think that'd be more likely than Alexiak. Um, Susie could slide in a couple of places. So, um, final question we got, Scott, relates to the Detroit Red Wings. 
And we've heard they're open for business, according to our own Frank Cervalli, and they're asking which Red Wings players get traded. So give us the crystal ball here, Scott. Who's headed out of Motor City? <laughs> you know, I saw I I saw somewhere that Sam Gagne is going to either pass or equal his dad's uh, number of games played. Um, I'm huge Sam Gagne fan, so big time, awesome um, guy. I don't know. I, I'm not sure Sam. You know, sort of really helps. Although you know, depth guy up front. Uh, you know, to me, Sam Gagne is a little bit like Derek Stepan in, in Carolina. I just wrote about him for the Hurricanes. You know, a guy who's been around, you know, can, doesn't need to play every night if you don't want him to. Uh, but you talked about uh, defensemen. What about Nick Letty or, or Mark Stahl? Would he, both on expiring contracts. And again, for teams that are up against the cap and, and really defensive depth is, is everything. Really can't, can't win a cup without it. Tampa showed that the last couple of years, Luke Shen and Zach Bogosian, Kevin Shattenkirk mm-hmm. can't win without it. Maybe both, what would both those guys very, you know, probably don't have to pay a lot on expiring contracts and great, you know, guys that you would want in your room who've been around the block. I like Letty a lot. There's a lot of teams that I think are probably sneaky in on Letty. Yeah. Especially being a right shot D that's so coveted. It's just his cap hits tough to work at 5.5. So that would take some massaging. Uh, Mark Stahl, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a bottom pairing, but easy cap hit for sure. He's got a full no move clause, which might make it difficult. But if you got a chance to chase a cup, that's always <laughs> something that somebody's interested in. Yeah. Uh, Philip Zadina is a name that we've got high on our daily faceoff trade target list. I'm not sure that they believe in him in Detroit, amazingly enough. Talented player, RFA, but... Uh, he could go. I, I think that those the D are really the ones to look at. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm not sure Bertuzzi gets moved, um, but I could easily see. You know, I mean, even Nemestikov, I, I, just the depth players. If you can get anything for players up front, like they could go. I don't think you're going to see Larkin or Verona get moved, even if they're open for business. I don't think you can move either of those players. I don't think no. you can move Aronek either. So. Um, yeah, I think the defense is probably where to look more so with Detroit yeah. because they're not that deep at forward. Good questions. That was great. Mm-hmm. That was. Oh, my. I can't. I'm already. I'm pumped already that we're going to be lined up again on Monday afternoon. It's going to be so much fun. Get some rest. Mm-hmm. Don't be don't be burn the candle at both ends before trade deadline. That's a that's the thing. Get some rest. I'm going to take your advice. No one knows better than you, Scott. I can't wait. Good job, my friend. You as always. Thanks for listening to The Suitcase and The Scribe, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.